This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. necessarily starting now but a press record okay so you know we'll, we'll just start when when we start yeah and we're just warming up which i wish i had press record earlier because we both said nice things about dan mersh but we can't repeat those nice things so that's it yeah yeah too bad it's a real shame because we both said really lovely things about it but anyway yeah um uh this is i tell you what this is it's I'm going to ask you ten really stupid questions, okay, and um, and then uh, and then it'll all be over. All right, that's, that's the best way to describe it. It's the only way to describe it. Okay, um, so fuck it, we'll we'll start. Go on then. All right, hi everyone, welcome to Leghole. By the way, Paul, the podcast called is called Leghole. Leghole. Um, it's called Leg Hole, you know. And thank you very much for falling into the Leg Hole today. Kate, you never guess what, everyone. My special guest, and he is this very special guest, is one of my favourite funny people in the whole world. 
It's the actor and comedian and all-round brilliant guy. It's Paul Putner, everyone. And everyone claps. Everyone claps. Everyone applauds. Yeah. It's very exciting to talk to you because I'm a big fan of yours. Oh. Um, I'm a big fan of your TV work, but but I really loved the uh, show that I went to see you do um, a few years ago in, in Edinburgh about madness. Oh, yeah. You know, called Paul Putner's Embarrassment. That, that, that was the title, right? That that was the title, yeah. And sometimes yeah, and it, it did feel like that. <laughs> it's a good, t- good title. Um, but uh, I, and I want to talk to you about Matt. Here's the thing. I make up these stupid childish questions yeah. for everyone so I can somewhat belittle them. Sure. Well, I can't belittle you because I'm too much of a fan. So there's going to be a bit of crawly bum luckiness for the <laughs> next 40 minutes. But also, I sort of just want to talk about madness. Okay. But we have to... We have to. I have to go through a few questions, like pretend that I'm not. Um, I, like I don't want to talk about madness. I'll pretend I want to talk about other things. Right. But really, n- just know that right now I really want to talk about madness and nothing else. Righto. Thank you for appearing on the podcast, Paul Putner. I've got ten questions, and from these ten questions, from your answers to the ten questions, should I say, I am yeah. going to put together a psychological profile of you. By the end of the podcast, so by the end of the podcast, you will know exactly who you are. All right. Uh, yeah, you should be a little bit nervous. Yeah, but like, but like I said, it's going to be quite a bit of crawly bum luckiness. So I think you probably come out all right. But and are you are you ad- adhering to any particular kind of psychiatry, no. psychotherapy? Or no, I'd say just bitterness. That's that's <laughs> what I'm using. Just. Just a little bit of sarcasm and bitterness. That's what I do, Paul. Right. And so here we go. The first question and the last question are always the same questions. Uh, everyone who comes on Leghawk gets these questions. But there's eight questions in the middle that have been written specifically to get the psychological profile of Paul Putner out of Paul Putner. Right. Paul Putner, here is question number one. Do you like sherry? Do I like sherry? Um, mm. It's not something I've, I've ever really indulged in. Um, my mum had some cooking sherry, which yeah. was the cliche, wasn't it, that housewives in the 70s would be getting sure. on cooking sherry. Um, What's the no, difference? I don't what know. is the difference between cooking sherry and sherry? Isn't it all cooking sherry? I don't or know. Or is it all no. like, like cooking chocolate and, and normal oh, chocolate. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's much difference. But my no. my other half, she has like, when she makes like a Christmas pudding, she'll have brandy in the cupboard. Mm. And, you know, when it's late on a Friday night and you go to the fridge and there's nothing left. Yeah. So, <laughs> where's where's all my Christmas pudding <laughs> ingredients? Quickly. Yeah. You'll quickly make a Christmas pudding. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, exactly. So my, my relationship with Sherry, um, it's mm. – I don't really have one. No. Here's the thing. I don't know. I I can't recall ever having a Sherry, but I think I hate it. I don't, I don't think I like the look of it. I can picture what it smells like, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's – it, yeah, yeah, I just don't want to go near it. Do you think it will ever have a comeback like gin? Oh, yeah. Or like, uh, oh, yeah. Sort of like, you know, these artisan gins, like craft, like a craft beer version of sherry. Yeah, I think that's possible. 
I don't understand this. Why suddenly everyone likes gin? Do you remember mm. about twenty years ago when everyone was suddenly drinking absinthe? Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was one of those wankers. Yeah. <laughs> How long? Maybe it was even longer ago than that. I remember going. Yeah, to it, Mark it was, it was... making me one at his party, a little house party, and I thought yeah. I was going to be hallucinating, like Byron. <laughs> well, well. Here's the thing. I remember for years. Um, Anytime absinthe came up in conversation, I would I'm enthused about it. Go, no, it really is. It's hallucinogenic, blah blah blah. It's amazing. I drank it once, and I just saw all these colours and shapes and things. Mm. And the thing is, I always forget that was the one and only night that I had acid. (laughs) I think it might be the acid, really, rather than the absinthe. Because around that same time. It was the liquid Coke, wasn't it, uh, what they used to say, with Red Bull and vodka, mm. where people were saying, oh, if you drink Red Bull and vodka, it's like having a, doing a line of Coke. And and you think, oh. well, <laughs> and everyone would be necking this stuff and then yeah. just having palpitations and being covered with the alcohol monkeys all night. You yeah. know, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just quite like a lager. Yes. I quite like a lager, Paul. I like a top, even. Do you know what? There you go. I'm going to put puritanical down in your um, in your profile. <laughs> puritanical. Yeah, that's good. It's good to have someone decent on this stupid podcast. Here's question number two, yeah. Paul Putner. Hmm. Now, Paul, pa- Paul Putner, the brilliant actor. Every actor loves the Oscars. And as an actor, do you ever dream of me winning one? Of you winning one, yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I didn't realize you had a pedigree in acting. I've got absolutely none. But you know what? Mistakes none. get made, don't they? Well, you could win a, an, an Academy Award for writing, couldn't you? I could, I suppose. I mean, it's possible. It's not highly likely. I'd have to write something first. You'd have to. But you see, yeah. Do I ever dream about you winning an Oscar? Mm. Now that yeah. that seeded. In my head, it's gone in the roller decks in my brain. So, right. every likelihood tonight, when I hit the sack, <laughs> I will have a dream about you right. winning the Oscar. So, potentially, yeah, that could be a thing. Do you know what? Uh, here's the thing: I I wouldn't even mind just being in in memoriam in the Oscars, as long as the Oscars <laughs> knew I was there. Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy. But I don't think. I'm starting to think, anyway, Paul, that I'm not even going to get into In Memoriam. Well, how would you feel about hosting them? I'd do it. I'd do it. I can I can take one to the chin. Yeah. <laughs> I can take a punch easily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd definitely host it. I, I might drop them an email. Yeah. I'll, I'll, ask, I'll, I'll, ask, I'll, ask, I'll ask the Oscars if they want to do leg hole. Yeah. Um, you know, we can do a sort of a swap. Take your leg out of my wife's mouth. <laughs> oh God! That's a, that, that, see, unfortunately, now that's in my rolodex for tonight's <laughs> tonight's nightmare, which is a little bit of a shame. So um, we've been topical humour there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to put um, horrific down on your uh, down in your psychological profile. Paul Putner, we've got on to question number three. Yeah. What's, uh, this is another acting question. 
Mm-hmm. What's what's hardest, drama, comedy, or escape rooms? I would say, mm-hmm. um, well, I suppose the path of least resistance to me is comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I do have to kind of rein my performances in a little bit when I do drama. Sure. But with drama, if you're on stage... You you don't you don't you know that you can tell the audience if they're listening, but if you're not getting laughs, you you can't really gauge it. But with comedy, uh, if you're not getting the laughs, then you know you're going down the pan. So it's it's harder yes. in that respect because you don't really know when you're doing drama if you've died on stage or not. Um, yeah, escape rooms. Well, mm. I've never been in an escape room. No, of course you haven't. You're a fucking adult. Yes, but uh, if mm. if surely if you're in an escape room, you're you're in charge of all the locking mechanisms. Well, I suppose th- that's what, the thing about, about a safe room. Oh, no, I'm thinking about a safe room. Yeah, you're thinking about yes, you are. No, an escape room is for um, uh, men men children. Let's call them that. To uh, that they have to figure out clues to get out of a room. That's oh, it's, right. it's that. yeah. yeah, yeah. You pay money. You pay money to be imprisoned for an hour. Well, oh, that would be. I'm the most impractical person you could ever meet. So, I will be a skeleton, yeah. probably. Well, I suppose that's that's where that's where escape rooms maybe is easier than drama because you definitely know when you're doing badly because you, you're still in a room and dying of starvation. <laughs> dying. Of star- have you yeah. ever heard? Have you ever heard of those horror houses? Yeah, I've heard of a like a ghost house. Yeah, you like go ghost to, house. Yeah, you, something like that. Yeah, I've, the, I've heard of them. You go out to the I don't know the Nevada desert, and they've got a shack, which right. some people have kind of configured it into a um into a like a Texas chainsaw massacre house, and yeah, and you just get tortured for for twenty four hours, and they shave off your hair and put you in cages, bury you alive. Now, I reckon yeah. that's harder than an escape room. Yeah. And the Wi-Fi is probably shit. Yes. It's an endurance test. Mm. So comedy, drama, escape room. I think for me it's drama harder than comedy, but escape room harder than both. What if I'm doing Mm. a comedy drama in an escape room? Well, it's, it's going to happen at some point, isn't it? There's going to be a comedy drama set in an escape room. Yeah. Probably like a Black Mirror something. There was a yeah. um, didn't Lee and Herring were going to write a, a sitcom called The Hostages or something. I have no idea. I could text them. Yeah. <laughs> to radiator, yeah. Let's let's see who gets back to us first. Yeah, it'll be Richard. It'll be Richard. So well, here's you- the thing. Suppose suppose drama's hard because um, the audience are respectful of drama. Yeah, as in so. So it's not like you know they see a murder on stage. You go fucking hell. Yeah. You know, so that would give, that would that would suggest you're doing well though. Mm. Maybe audiences need to give a bit more during dramas. Yeah. Well, what a suggestion? What crying. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Crying. Yeah. Because yeah. you can get you can hire professional criers, can't you? Apparently. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think I get a lot of them for free. <laughs> My yeah. audience. Yeah. When you do your stand-up tragedy. Yeah, 
that is my life. It's, yeah. it's just a little bit of stand-up tragedy. It's fine. Yeah. I can live with it. Yeah, so suppose, yeah, if you measured how well a drama was resonating with the audience would be how much mm. they're crying or muttering under their breath, anger, and, you know. Yeah, I, I suppose. anything really. Also, uh, I, I think that's one of the benefits, isn't it, of smartphones. I suppose you know your drama's not going well when you look out to the audience and you see people on their phones. Yeah. No, that, that's I, a dead giveaway, isn't it? Also, isn't aren't audiences awful? I hate them. I hate comedy audiences. I hate drama audiences. They're terrible people. Yeah, we should we should get rid of them. I know. Well, they we, we did, didn't we, for a couple of years recently? That's true. And do you know what? We were happier. Yeah, we're fucking happier without those bastards. Did Did you ever do a, a any Zoom stand up? I did. I was terrible at it. Yeah, I but know. I, go on. I, I saw I saw people who were really good at it. And and then I realised no, I'm just, I'm I'm just not cut out for that. I'm but, too paranoid. Well, it, it's just it it's very hard to it's just like doing comedy in a vacuum. I imagine. Yeah. Did you watch yeah. the um the lockdown versions of Have I Got News for You? No. And and Were they're they... all having to forcibly laugh at the other panelist jokes. Oh. And it was yeah. just, you could see, it was it, it was making them, it was so cringy. I, 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 don't, I don't know how they got through it, but they did it, so fair play to them. But it didn't yeah, well, lend itself to the to the uh, to how to do a panel show on TV, really. Yeah. The news really cut it, didn't they, you know, during lockdown? Like, the news were like, we've still got it. Yes. It's just someone telling you something terrible straight to your face. Yeah. Well done, news. Well done, news. Yeah, we've got another. I'm going to put down um, wise because you you have never done the escape room because um, you're an adult. So I put down wise. Here what? we go. Well, you know, if you ha- if you don't do an escape, we, let tell you what. Let's you and me do an escape room, and we do an episode of Cold Feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Then. In the escape room. Okay. Yeah, we'll just have Mrs. Brown's boys constantly playing until we fucking figure out how to get out of this fucking room. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's fair. Good idea. Talking of the news, I was thinking, um, watching it the other day, how people do that nodding when they're doing a... a, Just before they speak, if they're talking from another country, they're Mm -hmm. on the satellite. Do you think we keep talking over each other? So shall I nod? Yeah, would you mind? Yeah. yeah. I know we can't see each other, but I'm nodding yeah. now to right. say I'm about to speak. There that's great. Right. No, that's not going to work, is it? Oh, I think I'll think be fine. <laughs> I mean, I think, and also, I think our listeners would be very happy to hear a bit of fucking professionalism for once <laughs> from one of the guests. Because I'll be honest with you, not all of them are as good as you, mate. <laughs> Here we go. We've, we've, we've got another question coming up. Paul Putner. Yes. Question number, I think it's four. It might be five. I can't really remember. Here we go. Paul Putner. We are all aware of the news that Prime Minister Liz Truss resigned yesterday. Can you remember where you were when you stopped laughing? Oh, about 10 minutes ago, I think. Well, when you heard Boris might be coming back. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, what... That's- it's just like they might as well have a little turnstile, right? I know. But, 
you know, did he have to say fucking anything today? Can we not have a couple of days of just laughing? Yeah, yeah. No, but he had to go, eh, do you know what? I might come back. I I noticed your tweet. Um, I thought it was funny because I did a little sharp intake of breath when you when you mm. said, "Oh, has anyone done a sugar babes joke today?" <laughs> and uh, I, I I thought when it was happening, I thought, "Hey, that's like the sugar babes," <laughs> or maybe, maybe it triggers broom from uh, Only Fools and Horses. And I thought, "No, someone will do that tomorrow." And sure enough, you were yep. right. There we go. There we Where's go. Do you know what? You would be amazed, even in 2022, on the day of, like, the London Marathon, mm. how many tweets are still, you know, going, oh, I thought it was called Snickers now, in 2022. Really? People yeah. still tweet that. I, the, People... one I, the one I really hate is when the ever <laughs> celebrity's name comes up trending. People go... Normally, with a gif of Denzel Washington looking relieved, going, yeah. "You, I almost had a heart attack when I saw them." No, yeah. oh, thank goodness, or whatever. You know, it's. Look, I don't know. Is it a running joke on Twitter to to do that, or people? Do it's, people? It's gen- not. They get retweeted as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing: they go, "Oh my God!" You know, uh, whoever it is, David Jason. Don't do that to me, Twitter. I yeah. feared the worst. <laughs> Well, do you know what? If you you admire this person so much that you think the only thing possibly that they could do anytime you see their name is they're, they're dead. Yeah, that's oh my god, he's only capable of being dead. Yeah. Oh, turns out no. No, well that's he's, what he can do something else as well. That's what I was thinking. Uh, Tom Baker, every he comes up a lot, yeah. and it's all the few and relieved gifts and all of that. And I think if yeah. he looks at Twitter, he must feel his own pulse. Still there, Tom. You know. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, I think it'll be nice to. I mean, I don't want Tom Baker to die. I'm a big fan of Tom Baker, but yeah. but when he dies, maybe we should sort of constantly tweet, "God, where's where's the fucking remorse now?" Yeah, you know what? A day of remorse isn't enough. You guys were losing your shit every fucking five minutes that you yeah. saw his name. <laughs> you should be going out of your mind. Yeah. You should be having fucking months off work. You should be seeking fucking counselling. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna put down very wise here on your uh, psychological profile. You, I told you'd be quite crawly, bum lucky. The the other thing I, I thought was, uh, and I tweeted something about. Do you think at Madame Two Swords they've melted down Boris Johnson and reconf- <laughs> reconfigured his yeah. wig into a blonde bob? And now, That's- after just a month and a half, they've got a. Do melt it all down again. I know. Here's the thing. I th- I actually did think that yesterday, and I had a picture in my head of they're at Matter Two Swords and literally just doing the last bit yeah. to one of Liz Truss's eyebrows. What? Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> well, it's like all yeah. those um, Liz Truss lookalikes just being signed to an agency or people who can do impressions gone. This is, you know, this is this is completely true, right? Uh, I knew someone in the early nineties who um, who basically made money being a Thatcher lookalike. Yeah. Right? And the day Thatcher resigned, I turned up to a pub knowing she was going to be there. I yeah. said, "Oh, I'll see all my friends. Isn't that nice?" Went to the pub. She was there, and she was in fucking tears because she just went, "Well, that's it. That's all my work gone." 
Well, in one way, I could see why that would upset you. But on the other hand, <laughs> well, that Thatcher rem- isn't here anymore. That reminds me, um, I went to see um, the late, great Ian Cognito, who yeah. passed away um, recently on stage, of course. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite a freaky thing. But he, I saw him on the night, I think it was 1990, when Thatcher left. Right. In Crawley at the Hawth. And he came on stage holding like a, a massive pile of paper, full scat paper, and then just mm-hmm. threw it all in the air and said, well, that's 10 years of material gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that that is the thing. I, there was a lot of sure, the likes of Kevin Day going, for years, railing against Thatcher and going, oh, God damn it. Yeah. You know, I could have I had one more joke. I could have had two more jokes. It was like the end of Schindler's List, basically, uh, with Guy Raiders in the early 90s. That's all I'm <laughs> Then, Then you get the careful what you wish for. When yeah. I remember Rory Bremner bemoaning the state of um, doing impressions of politicians in the 90s, late 90s. He said, because they're all so bland. They all have the same um, public um, speaking uh, yeah. um, training and, and how to, you know, they all have the same gestures. They all wear the same suits. There's nothing, it's not like the old spitting image days where you could distinguish. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> certainly got all and, those characters back again, didn't they? And then look what happened. We have. Warner Brothers cartoons running the world. It's quite depressing, isn't it, Paul? Yes. Right. I'm going to put uh, quite depressing down yeah. on your psychological psychological <laughs> profile. I've got another question for you, Paul, and I'm looking forward to this one. Come on, I'm not a quitter. No, 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 no. I'll put that down. <laughs> not a quitter. A quitter. But I'm resigning for this podcast. Yes. <laughs> Paul, yeah, it's question number something or other, right? Let's. It's about that. It's about yeah. that. Let's talk about the band Madness. Can you remember when you first heard Madness? Well, I believe that it was. It was. I'm, I'm, it's there's two t- two times really where I was, right. I didn't know who they were. I saw an episode of Magpie. Wow. Would have been either late 78, early 79. Apparently it's their first TV appearance. Right. Um, and Suggs must have been at the football, so they did one step beyond, and he wasn't there. Ah, okay. Um, it's, not, it's not on YouTube. Um, I've been trying to track it down, actually, um, because after they finished the their little performance, they sat all the kids on the stage and said, what did you think of it? And some of the kids were quite critical, if I recall. But, <laughs> but I, didn't, I didn't know who they were then. But then um, I used to listen to the Top 40 uh, in the bath on a Sunday evening. Yeah. I used to have a, a cassette player plugged into the mains, perched precariously on the edge of the bath, sure. listening to absolutely sensational Tony Blackburn. And um, it came on while I was lathering up. And uh, I thought, well, this is really great. I love this. 
sounds a bit like Ian Jury, who I was a big fan of. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think knowingly it was in the bath, but I do remember no. Magpie, and I, and that would have come out before the top forty, which would have been so like, basically the summer, to... summer of seventy nine. I can't remember. Yeah. But basically, Tony Blackburn got you into madness. Yeah, I, I, indirectly, I suppose. Yeah, he was, he was he was a big pusher, wasn't he, of the ska movement? Well, he was a soul boy, really, isn't he? I have no idea, to be honest. I, I, I mean, I, I'm well aware of his existence, but I can't really remember anything he ever did or said, other than he cried over his wife leaving him. Tessa White. That's what I remember. Tessa White, yeah, from Robin's Nest. Ran off with um, Richard O'Sullivan, didn't she? Oh, did she? I didn't realise that. Yeah, wow, yeah, she didn't. She didn't run very far. She was working with him. <laughs> no, yeah, he was. He was very cut up about that. And funny enough, I had yeah. a. I, I remember having a chat once with Paul Whitehouse, and when they used to do the Smashy and Nicey, yeah. uh, in in the Smashy and Nicey special, they did, uh, called end, uh, end of an Era, and Tony Blackburn came up to him and, and said. Um, I really love Smashing Nicey. It's not been great for, for our profile, our, our image, the old school Radio 1. He said, but it's very funny. But you really did hurt my feelings when you took the mickey out of my breakdown. So oh, just, just to let you know that you know, when you do these things, there are people affected even all these years on. And White House said, oh, I just went I, I felt bloody awful. Yeah, I imagine. Holy shit. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, I'm sure that it could happen to any of us though, right? You, you know, you make a joke, you go, well, guess what? Have you I ever, vote. have you ever bumped, bumped into um, someone you've made a joke about on stage or publicly? No, um, just generally, generally, I think if I make jokes, it's about, <clears throat> about comedy rather than any specific comedian, sort of. Oh. And generally, comedians, don't like that joke. They go, well, that's not very funny, is it? I mean, we all do that sort of thing. Well, you know, sorry I hurt your very sensitive feelings, comedians. But, you know, I think comedians are there to be laughed at as well as laughed with. Oh, yeah, because going, going yeah. back to Leon Herring, um, in there this morning with Richard, not Judy, uh, they used to do a lot of um, taking a piss out of lazy comedy. Lazy comedy slags. Lazy comedy slags and the alternative history of comedy and all of that. Yeah. And Stuart used to, he said he used to get proper grief from some of the people yeah. on the circuit saying, how dare you give away the pullback and reveal. He says, I, I, I can't do that in my act now because people go, ah. <laughs> Yeah, and you, if you remember, of course, I imagine you do remember because you were in the TV show, but mm. when it came to lazy comedy slags, do you remember the they had sort of a very generic little cartoon drawing thing yeah. of some just men who looked like they might have been comedians, yeah. except one, they didn't even try to hide the fact that it was clearly Lee Hurst. Oh, Lee, well, yeah, Lee Hurst, yeah. yeah, yeah. That one's Lee Hurst. But we got uh, we got quite cross because they had Adam Bloom um, in the oh, really the little running along. Um, oh, did they? Oh, okay. And Stuart and, and Richard was quite sort of well. Who said put him in? Because the cartoonist he he decided he didn't like him, so added him. Right. But he's one of the least lazy comedians. 
Oh, absolutely. My God. Yeah. Very clever material he does. I haven't seen him in years. Yeah. Is, he, is he still about? Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, good. you know, he's, he's still incredibly good and very, very, very smart and, mm. you know, sometimes quite exhausting. Yes. Yeah. And that's... <laughs> And I love him for that, you know. He's uh, he's a good fella. He um, he made me become vegan, you know. Oh right. Yeah, because he did some jokes about um, vegans on stage, and it made me so angry. I decided to become vegan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it wasn't was... it, it wasn't the joke that really upset me. It was the audience going way instead of laughing, and I went, "Oh, you cunt!" And I decided to. Um, I decided, decided to uh, give up meat and dairy. So there you go. God, don't ever go and see Jimmy Carr then. No. You'll, you'll convert to <laughs> so many things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. I'm giving up rape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got more questions here. All right. What was that one question? Oh, it was madness, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. We're, we're well onto the madness section. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, by the way, the... Um, Here's the thing. My um, teenage favorite band, and you, you're not going to like this. Go. On. My fir- the first real obsession band I ever had were Marillion. All right. Now, yeah, exactly. You, you're right to to go back a little bit. But, but here's the thing. Mm. My my story of how I heard Marillion for the very first time, I still look back on very fondly, because it was a guy who was profoundly deaf. Uh, recommended Marillion to me. So, <laughs> it's true. It's completely true. A right. guy who's completely deaf said, you're going to love this band. So a guy, he, he'd never heard them, but he knew, he knew that I would just like them. So I got a recommendation on music by deaf guy. There you go. Well, they used to have quite striking artwork. <clears throat> yes, they did. He liked that, but also I think he just liked... I think he liked the pontiness of fish, which it turns out so did I. Yeah, I read an interview with him. He seems quite a a nice bloke. Oh, yeah, I think he is. I think he's a very lovely fella. And, you know, I'm still still very fond of him, but more in a, oh, don't do that, Dad, why? Is he, is, I know, I know he's still making music and, um, and Marillion, it's with Steve Hackett now, isn't it? Steve Hogarth. Hogarth. I, Steve Hackett. I reckon they, they yeah. would have replaced him with Steve Hackett if they could have. <laughs> Steve Hogarth. Yeah. Sorry, Steve Hackett. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Then they're they're kind of a uh he, he does his solo stuff and they're doing doing their thing. Yeah. But have they been going longer without him? Oh, far longer. Yeah. yeah. A bit like the strangers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. But we want to talk about madness. So here's the next yeah. question about madness. Yeah. Mm. Paul Putner. Hmm. How many members of Madness have you touched? I've touched all of them. Whoa. Okay. So uh, I'm going to put Hansy. <laughs> put Hansy. Oh, Paul. Yeah. Okay. So where did you meet them? I, I, I met them at a charity football match in the early 80s. Oh, okay. Uh, where they were playing against imagination and musical youth. Um, right. So I, I, I think I met a few of them then, and they were very muddy. I remember that. And then right. I met them at a – I went along to a sound check for a gig, they a Christmas gig they did in 83, 
and Ian Jury was there as well, and and Paul Whitehouse, funnily enough, and Neil Nigel Planer from the Young Ones, and mm-hmm. yeah, I met Madness there. I met a few of them, but not all of them. And then no. just gradually over the years, um, I met Bedders, the bass player, at David Arnold's birthday party. Wow! All right, right. So I, I I kind of cornered him by the by the Voulevons for about an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, after a gig, if I've got a, a mate as a backstage, you know, I sort of have a brief chat and say hello. I got, I remember once in the assembly bar, uh, Chaz Smash came in during the Edinburgh Festival. Mm-hmm. This was a, uh, oh, about 10, 15 years ago. And I got to know Suggs a little bit over the years. So I thought, well, he's in my world now. I, I'm going to go over and, you know, Welcome him, and so, <laughs> so I went over and I went, "Oh, hello, Chaz, um, Carl, rather." I said, "I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a sort of an acquaintance of Suggs," and then he just put his hands on my on my shoulders and just lifted me out of the way, saying, "How lovely for you, bye." <laughs> oh, fucking hell! Yeah, he seems like he might be the most intense member of the band. Yeah, I mean, he was he was. I mean, he did it with a grin, and I've met him since. Oh, and okay, he's he very pleasant. Um, but yeah, he's, and he's not actually in the band anymore. No, he's not. No, no, he's left for the past few years. Um, mm. yeah, you know, so I have, I suppose I have, I've, I've touched their hands, handsy. I've, uh, I've only touched one member of Madness. Um, yeah. I've touched Bedders and, um, oh, yeah. it was, uh, I, I've got this problem, Paul. Mm. Um, yeah. if I meet, if I meet someone especially musicians, if I meet a musician that I really admire, mm. I will say something stupid within the first two or three seconds. All right. And uh, and it happened with um, Bedders. I was introduced yeah. to him by, you know, T- Terry Edwards, because they have their jazz band together. So I was, yeah. I was there to see them. And um, uh, Bedders couldn't find a place to park. So it took him, <laughs> took him ages, yeah, took him ages to get to the actual venue. And eventually he's there like with five minutes to spare before the beginning of the gig. Mm. And uh, he just went, oh, sorry about that. And he was introduced to me and I'm like, hello. And he went, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit flustered. Couldn't find anywhere to park. I had to just drive round and round the block like about <laughs> 10 times. And I, and you know what I'm going to say, don't you? And I went, oh, you like driving in your car? And he went, mm-hmm, and walked away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. They're not up for that. Good I want. I once went to see uh, Elvis Costello and the Attractions at the Royal Albert Hall, 1986, and we were waiting outside, little fanboys, big, quite a big group of us, to get our program signed by the band. And Steve Naive, uh, the keyboard player of the Attractions, came out in in big sunglasses, signed the programs, and then fell face first into a massive puddle. Oh God! He rolled off oh the no! Oh, that's and I, I did say, I did say, come on, accidents will happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone oh. else. Well, I can't stand up for falling down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just ran. He just yeah, because you know, there's probably a two or three more song titles you could get out of it. And he just didn't want to hear them. Tiny yeah. steps. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know if he got if he has a song called "You've Fallen Face First Into a Pot," but if he had, <laughs> After he doesn't want to hear it right now. <laughs> it was. It, yeah. I tell you what. Joking aside, it was it was horrible actually because it was so humiliating and so unexpected. Yeah. And and the thing is, I think if you do see someone that you admire, all of a sudden humiliated, and, and it's, you go, "Oh Christ." This isn't how we're ever supposed to meet. You're fucking oh, no. fallible. What's what's going on? <laughs> the, other, the other thing, of course, when I met them as a kid, mm. a teenager, I had posters of them all over my right. wall in my bedroom. Yeah. And when I came back, suddenly it they'd been humanized. They were not these deities. They were not they were yeah. just blokes. And of course, the other thing, they weren't dressed in the suits and the fezzes and the pith helmet yeah. and all that. They were dressed very casually. <laughs> yeah. You know, just looked like, and they were smoking and just looked like ordinary blokes. And and you think, oh, yeah. And it just felt very strange having the posters up after that. I think they did gradually yeah. down. It's, I suppose it's the thing, isn't it, about meeting um, bands after, you know, the gig. There must be a feeling of you know I'm off stage now, you know I don't I don't have I don't do a gig after the gig, I'm just yeah. here and having a drink, so don't stare at me like I'm about to you know, sure fucking launch into stairway to heaven just for you. Yeah. Oh well, and that's why Paul. That is why all three members of REM have told me to fuck off on three separate occasions separately. There you go. Really, really. That's, yeah, that really happened. All three members. Peter Buck, Michael Stipe, Mike Mills. They've all told me to fuck off. <laughs> Why? What did you yeah. say? Um, I I annoyed Peter Buck, by, but, but I saw him at a soft boys gig and I kept saying to him, you should get up on the stage, you should get up on the stage. And it annoyed him so much. He threw his drink to the floor and went, oh, fuck off, and then walked away. So I totally understand I'm in the wrong there. Yeah. But then uh, there was another time I saw Michael Stipe at a restaurant. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I, I shouted, fucking hell, it's Michael Stipe. And he was on his own, eating. And he just went, oh, fuck off. And got up <laughs> from his uh, table and paid and left. And it was really like, oh, God. That was I don't think shouting in a restaurant is cool. And I shouldn't have done that. Anyway... Uh, then I saw Mike Mills, mm. and um, and he was queuing up at um, uh, at a bar, and I just wanted to tell him something really complimentary. Tell him you know he's brilliant, and he missed his chance to get served, and he just went, "Oh motherfucker!" right in my <laughs> face. <laughs> so you know, this all three members. And I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Bill Berry one day. This one goes out to the one I hate, then, is it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, my favourite is a friend of mine um uh went to see Dex's Midnight Runners. Right. Um in Brighton. I think it was ah. when they got back briefly got back together again. Or maybe it was a Kevin Rowland uh solo gig. Um, and he saw Kevin Rowland having a crafty cigarette at the 
backstage, uh, you know, at the stage door at the end of the show. So he went up to him and went, hi, hi, Kevin, I'm sorry to uh, interrupt you, but there's a lyric that I've always been a bit unsure about. I wonder if you could tell me what it means. And he went, yeah, all right, then what is it? Um, it's... <laughs> Kevin Rodham's, well, oh, fuck off. Yep. I mean, and which is weird because he normally likes a laugh. Yeah. He, he doesn't. He doesn't. No. He doesn't like a laugh in any way. Fuck me, that is funny. Um, I met him once and I, I, I was very clever that day. I kept my mouth shut. I took yeah. one look at him and went, nope. I am not. I'm not supposed to be in the same room as him. So I'm going to pretend that I'm not in the same room as him and I'm going to shut up. So, you know, I do know how to keep my mouth shut. I just forget sometimes. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to sometimes keep your gob shut. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, you your heroes should never meet you. You're awful. So, you know, <laughs> I'll just keep my mouth shut. Here's question number eight, Paul Putner. If you met someone today who had never heard of madness, what what would you recommend? A punch in the face or a kick in the bollocks? Um, well, a kick in the bollocks, I think, was the B-side of House of Fun. Yep. Um, <laughs> no, I'd, yep. Uh, punch in the face, kick in the bollocks. How about a punch in the bollocks? I think that's fair. Do you know what? You're very, um, very even-minded, aren't you? Hmm. Whatever that means. I'm putting it down in your psychological profile. Here's the, here's the truth of it. I do, when I meet someone who um, uh, sort of, you know, goes, uh, oh, I've never heard of, what you know, whatever famous band. Hmm. The, there was a time I would actually be angry about that. Go, what the fuck are you talking about? But now if I meet someone who goes, oh, Sparks, I think I've heard of Sparks. Are they good? I go, oh, my God. You've got all of Sparks to look forward to. Oh, no. Ah, I would love to have that feeling all over again. Yes. So I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually jealous when I meet people who don't, you know, who don't know all the things I know. Have which you, have very you ever, much. Have you ever got anyone into Iggy Pop? Because I know you're a big Iggy Pop fan. Um, I'm not 100% sure I have. I think... I think, luckily, I think Iggy Pop's, you know, he's been around for a bit. He's not like he's, um, he's not, uh, you know, he's, he's he's not some new indie upstart. He's, you know, he's, uh, uh, to be honest, I feel I've only really got into him in the last 10 years. But I love him. I love him like I've, you know, I've been in love with his records all my life. And I'll, I'll be yeah. honest with you, up until about 10 years ago, I think I only had three of his albums. And it's the obvious three. So yeah. I I would like to think that someone who came to see the show uh, yep yeah, I'm I'm going to check that guy out but m- probably it's much more likely to write, yeah I know who you're talking about <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I mean did I, you did you get people coming up to you saying do you know what uh, I could uh, take or leave madness but <laughs> actually I've I've listened to them now and they're brilliant and I, did you ever I, get I, that I, from your show from from quite young people, um, I, yeah. I know some people came with their kids, and they said that they were 
getting very much into madness now or were listening to them, uh, which they hadn't listened to before. In fact, it reminds me of about um, 10 years ago, my young nephew was in the in the back of the car. My His dad was driving and he was singing Our House. Oh, right. Our House, because it had been on the Olympics. I think they'd, they'd also done it on top of Buckingham Palace for the Queen's Jubilee. So it was in, it was being played on the radio again, and, and he liked it. And I said to him, oh, you want to listen to some of their other stuff if you like this? He went, oh, they're a bit old. So I went, oh, okay. I said, all right, so what are you into then? I like ACDC. <laughs> uh, well, know, to be fair, one of them's still at school. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, but he likes ACDC because he likes Iron Man, which the music yeah. is in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that's the weird thing, isn't it? Like, little kids, like, I, like if, if Iron Maiden, you know, could figure out a way of never dying, they mm. would always have an audience, wouldn't they, for the, forever, for all eternity. Because yeah. little kids love Iron Maiden, just like little kids love ACDC. It's, you know? Yeah, it's, there's uh, something about them. They're good, they're good first bands. That's why I think I've got a theory about why little kids love the Beatles. Hmm. It's I think it's because it's the melodies are almost like nursery rhymes. Yeah, and they've got and quite I've, a lot of like, songs that are very. They've got a lot of songs that are very obviously for kids. Yeah, yeah. Yellow submarine, I suppose, is a gateway yeah. song for kids. They yeah, can probably the get their the heads life. around it. Day in the life. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Madness, Look, madness are quite good for kids. Because oh, that yeah. was always the thing with them. They always got uh, written off as a, as a kid's band. Because they used to do gigs. They used to do two gigs quite often on tour in the, in the early days. One for the kids in the mm. afternoon and one for the grown-ups because of the alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good thing, isn't it? You know? <laughs> I think it's a great thing. I think and here's here's something I bet you'll agree with me on this. One of the great things about loving madness hmm. is when you go on holiday and you hear them out of like out of context, like you have not pressed play. You're yes. in a bar, I'm, and I mean this specifically at a time I was in Chicago. Yeah, uh, in a bar, and our house came on. I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" I'm in America listening to madness. It's amazing. Well, our house was the only hit they had there, really. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. they're, not, they're a bit like "Come on, Eileen" for Dexys again, you know. Um, they're mm. they're regarded as one-hit wonders. Um, yeah, I think it must be love. Kind of was sort of hung about the the, the very lower ends of Billboard. That was the next single after that, um, and then they they're just like a a college band over there, really. Yeah. Now, I have to remind you that the answer to you, the question was you would punch them in the bollocks. So yeah. I'll put uh, violent. Violent. Yeah. Violent. Here's, uh, here's a that question number nine. And mm. we're back to the world of acting. Paul, okay. you are a brilliant actor. And we don't just want to talk about madness. We'd like to know more about your career and your work. So mm. who is the biggest arsehole you've ever worked with? 
the biggest arsehole I've ever worked with. Ah, now that, this is a leading question, isn't it? It's a, it's a little bit leading, yeah. I mean, you could see how someone could easily get tricked into saying something they shouldn't by a question like this. I I mean, I've been very lucky. I don't I don't remember working with. I mean, there are souls who aren't famous. Right. In the, in the early, I mean, in the, when I was starting out and you're doing like rep or, or um, uh, my, my first job, I worked with some real arseholes because they, they there's a real pecking order. And then yeah, 10 course. years down the line, you see them in an audition and they're kind of back down the pecking order again. And you think, God, you're yeah. acting like Sir Jeremy Irons at the Pit Lockery Festival Theatre, but now you're just going up for this toilet roll commercial like me. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, uh, well, let's. I can't think of any. Uh, certainly not particularly any celebrities who've been arseholes. Okay. They've all been nice. I tell you what, though, they. So, go on. No, I'm just going to say. So, should we just say Hugh Laurie, someone like that? Never worked with Hugh Laurie. Oh, damn it. So we can't say Paul Putner thinks Hugh Laurie is an arsehole. That's a shame. That's a shame. That would have been a real, uh, that would have been a coup for this, um, for this podcast. But it it doesn't matter. You might work with him soon. And if you could come back on and call him an arsehole, that'd be great. Why don't we, um, uh, let's get, take a really well-known actor and say, I think he's an arsehole and it will seem like I've worked with him. Yeah. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, God, a real yeah. tosser. Absolute um, cunt. Yeah. yeah, him. He was always moaning about in catering. Yeah. He made yeah. life hell for me in rehearsals. Yeah, when with we his doing, shitty acting. Yeah, when we were doing Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah. I was yeah. one of the aliens. Played, yeah. yeah. Curious alien. Yeah. Curious alien, yeah. This is the final question. Uh, I'm going to put down hates Vin Diesel. <laughs> Seems all right, doesn't it? Seems all right. It's yeah. the final question for you, Paul. This is a question that all the guests get. Yeah. Paul Potner, what is leg hole? What What do you think? What do you think has happened here today? Um, I I think I, I've come over. As exasperated. <laughs> um, I'm going I'm to put that down. Exasperated. Okay. And you think that's what this podcast is? It's you being exasperated. <laughs> I think there's, there's a lot of... I think I've got an inner bully, which has been... Oh, on me. mate. We all do, and it's lovely when it comes out. Yeah. You know, in a, in yeah. a, do you you have an inner bully? Oh, I think so. I mean, I'm I not... do a lot of um, I do a lot of comparing, and the inner bully just comes right out. I will I will think when this podcast is over, I'm going to go. Oh, I wish I you could have done that better. You, you you that wasn't very funny, and I hope and I hope he doesn't think this and and all of that. It's terrible, isn't it? Oh well, I'm, I'm sad to hear that. I'm I'm going to put. <laughs> Self-loathing, okay. <laughs> Down in your well, that's, that's a, a bit of a bummer to end on that. But, <laughs> but 
we, there's nothing we could do, is it, Paul? That's that's the note that uh, we decided to close the show on. I know. Well, Paul Putney, here's one thing I can tell you. Yeah. From uh, the questions asked and the answers uh, gathered, hmm. Paul Putner, you are puritanical, horrific, wise. You're very wise. You're quite depressing. Not a quitter. Handsy. Even-minded. Violent. You hate Vin Diesel. You're exasperated and you're self-loathing. And all of those things, Paul, come together to make the beautiful creature that is Paul Putner. Everyone applause. Everyone applause. Yeah. Yay, Paul Putner. Or, or... A or, pope. Oh fuck you! Be you'd make such a good pope. <laughs> That's when your inner bully would really come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those fucking Protestants wouldn't stand a chance if you were pope, mate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I felt quite pope, pope, Yeah, pope. No, you'd be you'd be a fucking a great pope. Fuck it. Yeah. Do you know what? I wish we hadn't said Vin Diesel. I wish we had said, you know, whoever the Pope is these days. Who who's the Pope these days? Um uh, who's what's his pope name? Pope Kevin. Yeah. R- Rumsey. <laughs> <laughs> pope Liz Truss. That's him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Putner, thank you so much for falling into the leg hole today and being a wonderful guest. Uh I adore you, quite frankly, and I oh. don't mind saying it as a matter of public record. Oh, well, that's lovely. Thank you so much for inviting me on, and I hope uh, uh, I've filled the remit of the leg I, hole. I hope, I hope it's recorded, quite frankly. Yeah, so do I. Otherwise, we're yeah. going to have to record it all over again, say all the same yeah. funny things, yeah. and try and be some the answers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you very much, listeners. We will see you here in the Lake Hall again some other time in the future. Until then, goodbye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.